Thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. You guys are going to get the shortest sermon in history. Are you excited about it? Oh my gosh, what are we going to do with this one? Well, I'm not going to do a full sermon. I love you too much. Remember that when Christmas rolls around, that your pastor had great... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So we've been looking at the book of Romans, and this is the end of the book of Romans for us for a good long time. We're going to head into Advent. We have some other things that God's doing in the life of the church. But as you head into Thanksgiving, I wanted to think about, would you ever consider that there's too much of a good thing? Thanksgiving pie? Too much money? Too much shopping at Christmas? Sure. Too many presents? I'm sure you can imagine that there's too much of a good thing. How about a good thing or a right thing, but we use it the wrong way? And I think about this a lot in my life, because I was a youth minister for many years before I was a senior pastor. And when teenage boys discover girls, or when someone discovers body odor and tells teenage boys about it, they often have to think about using deodorant, or often Axe body spray. I don't know if in and of itself it's a good thing. I remain on the fence as to, rather it's, as to whether it's actually a good thing. But teenage boys, for whatever reason, think that Axe body spray, the actual recommended usage, the dosage, is not two sprays under each arm, but half a can per time in the locker room. I know this because, as you may know, I used to coach high school basketball. And so when I go in with my senior high, my, my varsity boys for basketball, we'd go in the locker room shortly after the JV team had left. And all my, my boys, who were mostly juniors and seniors, would all look down at their shoes and they'd say, would someone please teach them that we have to breathe in here when we come in? Because, I mean, we needed hazmat suits sometimes in that locker room. So between the boy funk and the Axe body spray, it was, not, it was not an inviting aroma. We'll put it that way. It's clear that we can have too much of what may be a good thing, and sometimes we can take things a little bit too far. Think about that when you're shopping this Christmas. God's grace and mercy means that he, he loves us and that nothing we do can make him love us more or, or less. We're saved by grace through faith, not because of what we did or what we didn't do. We have liberty, we have freedom that God has called us in, and Romans has made that clear to us. But it's not saying that it's all about what we do or don't do. It's not about our lives and our choices, but in that freedom, in that liberty, how do we use that to honor Jesus Christ? How do we handle that freedom, that liberty? We handle it with care. And quickly today, we're going to talk about care. What does care mean? It means that we consider others, we accept responsibility, we respond gracefully, and we expect sacrifice. Every relationship, every opportunity we have in life, whether with the good things we're given or with anything, with our time, with our opportunities, with our moments, we are to handle all of those things by God's grace. We are to love and to minister to other people. The liberty, the freedom, the opportunities we have to be God's ambassadors, we handle them with care. So we're going to look here quickly at Romans 14, verses 13 through 23. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. 
I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Whoops, can you go back one for me there, guys? I clicked too many times. So, do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So this idea of care that we're going to talk about this morning. Consider others first, accept responsibility, respond mercifully, and accept, expect sacrifice. These are essential parts of our Christian life. And so the first thing we're going to talk about here is considering others first. There's a command for us to consider the needs of others in connection with our faith, with our liberty, with our opportunity. We're not to put a stumbling block, as it says, a hindrance in the way of a brother. And here it talks specifically about, in verse 15, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Now, Paul is saying that we can live in a way that it may not be an issue for us or more wrong, but it can be an issue for someone else. And specifically here, what he was talking about with that Roman church where you had Jewish converts and pagan converts, both to Christianity, those that came from idol worship and those who came from Judaism. So here's how it worked. They would do these food sacrifices for idols. You can learn more about this in passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is one of the big places you can see some parallel for this. And what would happen in idol worship is they would have food and they would put it out briefly as a part of idol worship, and then they would sell that. Think of that as the quick markdown steaks in the freezer section, right? So if you are a Jewish convert and you think, that God doesn't exist anyhow, he's not even real, I'm going to buy myself a nice cheap piece of steak and have a barbecue later on. And that's what they would do. They would do that. I know that one of our local restaurants that is uh, Asian cuisine you go to, sometimes when you go in, they have a Buddha there, and you'll see fruit in front of it. Anybody ever seen that somewhere where you go to a restaurant? Yeah, it still happens, right? So they would say, that's a nice-looking piece of fruit. And since that idol doesn't really exist, I'm going to buy that. So they'd use it in the sacrifice. they take it to the market, and they'd sell it quick. And so folks would buy that. Now, the folks that had grown up in that idol worship for various reasons, that bothered them. It just upset them. It wasn't that they necessarily felt that that idol was still real, but they were torn. It, it caused them difficulty in their faith. Some of them, maybe they were not yet Christians. They were just coming and checking out the faith, and they thought, well, these people are just mean. And other folks, they thought, well, this is just awkward. This is weird. We should just stay away from that. I was in that. I'm far away from that, and I don't want to be in it anymore, so you shouldn't even have that stuff around here. 
Now, in and of itself, in Christian liberty, everything was fit to eat. That's what this passage says. You could eat it. You could do that. Think about your own Christian life. You have freedom in Christ to do all kinds of things. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, when someone said, Mr. Spurgeon, you're smoking cigars. He said, I do so to the glory of God. Presbyterians would like Charles Spurgeon, I'm sure. I get it, right. I don't pers personally, personally smoke cigars, but, you know, that's something Reformed folks are known that, you know, we, we say, well, that's okay. That's, yeah, it's not something. We, we don't worry about whether we drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. We got to do it in moderation. But if that's an issue for somebody else, if you're out and you're having a drink at dinner, but someone else has a problem with alcohol, is that a stumbling block for that person? If you're going somewhere and someone says, I'll bet you $5 on the game, and you know you have a friend there who's struggling with gambling, does that help that person? And this goes into all kinds of things that just aren't what we think of as a standard addiction. If you are placing the emphasis on the fact that you want to make sure that you're the nicest, finest, shiniest, whatever, and the person next to you, they're struggling, does that put a stress on that person? The point of this is simply that we are to consider others first. Our Christian liberty must be temp tempered by our Christian love. So the question is, with all the things you can do in Christ that God's Word morally does not say it's wrong, we're not talking about moral wrongs, we're talking about things that God's Word does not explicitly say is wrong, but is it a blessing and a help to others to draw them closer to Jesus Christ? Because if it's not, God's saying your chief job is to be an ambassador for me and so you have to think about that, and you have to think about that person. You have to consider others first. You have to think about that and whether you are helping them out. In short, our job is to draw people closer to Christ and be a stepping stone and not a stumbling block. If your brother or sister is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. See, that's what Paul's saying is you're not being a gospel conduit. You are not being a messenger of grace, by what you eat, do not destroy, do not tear down the one for whom Christ died. Now, this doesn't mean because someone says, hey, what you're doing is triggering me. In today's world, we have to be specific. I'm so sad. People can be ridiculous. We understand that. How many of you know people can be ridiculous? Friday morning at 6 a.m., go anywhere and see if people can be ridiculous. You guys know it's going to be ridiculous. My wife is still in therapy from working retail at Kohl's during Black Friday for years. I just go watch. I've told you guys. I went with my brother-in-law one year, and we put out lawn chairs and watched the sea of humanity descend on a store. And people are like, are you trying to get in? We're like, no, we're just here to watch you. That was more fun. But it's also sad, isn't it? Be a stepping stone. Our calling is to lead people towards Christ. That term stumbling block here is actually the Greek word scandalion. Guess what word we get from that? Scandal. Not the TV show. But you know what a scandal is. What in your life does someone else honestly, not because they're being extra strange, but what honestly could be a scandal for them that would prevent them? This is where we need to be like Christ. This is a matter of Christian responsibility. Whoever serves Christ, it says in verse 18, 
is acceptable to God and approved by men. See, here's the funny thing. When we own our faith, when we understand our faith, and we understand our calling, and we live into it, people may not agree with you, but they will respect you and accept you. This is what I was talking about earlier. Christians used to think that if we would just kind of make everything kind of smooth over, if we just water it down, if we just gloss a little bit, if we just line people up and draw them in, if we would say, you know what, I'm just here, you know, we've got to give some, you've got to give some. If this is God's truth, like we talked about earlier, Paul's not saying not to stand on God's truth, but what he's saying is when you have something that's about you and not about Christ and not about truth, then you need to sacrificially lay that aside and serve Christ by owning your faith. So you need to know what God's truth is, and when that comes up, there's no negotiating. See, the church has gotten this backwards. We've negotiated on the truth of God's word, and we've decided we're going to stand on the vehicle. You know what? We don't know what we believe, but this service and this church hasn't changed for 78 years. The vehicle isn't the problem. The vehicle needs to change. But the truth, the powers, however we do that, the conduit, the music we sing, the way we do our worship, the way we do our ministry, our programs, all that stuff, that stuff is not need to stay the same. Jesus never talked about the internet because it wasn't invented back then. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't still want us to use the internet responsibly. The problem isn't the internet. The problem is what we do with it. What do you broadcast out with the internet? Are you sharing the truth of God's word? Or are you saying horrible things on your social media? Here's a hint. Some of you are. I see it. What do you do? Are we responsible by standing on God's truth, by saying, I want people to see Christ through me. And these things, I can't say that they're what everyone else wants them to be because God says they're this. And I'm going to stand on that faith. You know what people are going to say to you? I don't agree with you, but you know what you believe and why, and I respect you. But the thing is, we're not going to be jerks about it either because when we respond mercifully, we also expect sacrifice because if we stand on God's word if we know that we're sinners saved by God's grace what we're going to do is love people we're going to love them in a way that brings mercy and sacrifice to the forefront of how we live our lives we're not going to be jerks guys the problem with the church today is we're standing on the wrong things and because people aren't respecting those things we get frustrated and we act like jerks we do Christians all the time complaining about things that don't matter, not sure about the things that do. God's saying that we need to know Christ and to stand upon him. So then, pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. If churches got outside their walls and started finding the broken places in their communities and addressing those pains, the church would be the most respected thing in town. You know why they're not respecting us? Because we're not doing that capital C church. I'm not picking on us. If Christians found the problems in their community and addressed them without compromising the truths like we just talked about, people would say, I don't agree with you, but I see what you're doing and I respect you. And you know what? You're, you really are about mercy. There's something different about you. I want to know what that is. So the things we worry about, the little things, we can have things a certain way. 
But that doesn't mean that we need to make those things the most important thing. We need to be like Christ. We need to decide what's important and stand on that. And we need to minister to people. What in your life have you decided is the most important thing? Is that thing, does that thing in your life have anything to do with Jesus Christ? Because the sacrifice part of this, Philippians 2, Jesus Christ, equality with God, it was not something he needed to grasp. But what we're going to talk about here in Advent starting next week is he came down and took on the form of a servant. If you're a Christian, if you're considering other people, if you're standing on God's truth, if you're waiting on that, if you're expecting that to be that way, that sacrifice that mercy that God requires, it's going to make sense to you. If you know that Christ came to save you while you're still a sinner, you're going to say, you know what, this stuff I'm worrying about, it doesn't matter. I'm going to worry about what Christ put me here to do. Friend, our, friends, our days on earth are so limited. They're so limited. We don't have time to fight over which style of music somebody likes more. Or whether Jesus wants us to wear ties to church every Sunday. Or whether people need to cut their hair a certain way. There are things that God's word says will bring them to life and to wholeness and truth. And they're not popular things in our world today. And we do need to stand on those things. But who is God calling you to love? Who is God calling you to sacrifice to? Is there something in your life that's not about Jesus that prevents people from seeing Jesus in you? A priority. A goal. In your workplace, would people say, you know, so-and-so is just really about profit? Is that what Christ would have you be about? At school, would they say, so-and-so just loves to cut other people down? Do you need to temper your tongue? Do you need to put your mouth aside and say, I'm going to go sit by that person and love that person? Is there someone in your life this Thanksgiving that's hurting because you need to put aside your pride from something in your past even though they wronged you. And you need to go to them and say, you know what? I love you enough of this. Even when people don't have the right, even when people are wrong, will you respond in mercy? And will you, as Christ has done, expect a life that is based in sacrifice? Friends, I've tried to encapsulate this for you as efficiently as I can this morning. But our call in our Christian life is to live a life of care. If you care for others the way Christ calls us to, if you first accept responsibility that you have a calling from Jesus Christ to know and to share God's truth, if you respond in mercy while expecting that all of this Christian life expires, it requires sacrifice, the same that Christ would do, then God will use your life. He will share the hope of the gospel, what this book is all about with others. Maybe that's your homework this Thanksgiving with family or friends, a neighbor, a coworker, I don't know, whoever it is, to care for them and to love them like Jesus would love them and to see what God does with that. With whatever opportunities, whatever liberties God gives you this Christmas, I want to encourage you in every interaction to respond to other people around you with care. Let's pray. Father, that we would know what it means to belong to you, that we would know what it means to put you first, that we would consider other people, that we would think about how our lives affect them, that we would stand on your truth, 
that we would accept the responsibility we have. Lord, that we would respond with mercy in every situation, even when people haven't treated us with mercy. But we would understand that because we are gospel people, that we would expect, as the gospel required Christ, that sacrifice is at the core of our Christian life. So God, with every opportunity, we have the liberty to live so many ways that we would understand that for God's glory, we don't just do what makes us happy or what we think we deserve, but that we would put Christ first and that we would have thankful lives of obedience this week and for all of our days to come, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.